Watching the TV footage of those who entered the Capitol and walked through Statuary Hall showed people in an orderly fashion staying between the stanchions and ropes taking videos and pictures. You know, if you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. The Capitol Police were ushering people in. The Capitol Police were very friendly. You know, they were hugging the kids. You don't see that, but there's plenty of tape on that, too. Stephen Trump, we are still taking metal, sharpened objects, missiles to include bottles and rocks and hand-thrown chemical-grade fireworks. They were peaceful people. These were great people. The crowd was unbelievable. Telling the truth hard. I guess in this America, it is. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this I've had it with your motherfucking Glock on this motherfucking plane (laughs) episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. My name is Tino, and joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you know him as Madison Cawthorn's chief penmanship advisor. It's Judson. You son of a bitch. (laughs) That is maybe the worst thing you've ever called me. (laughs) One day I just want to do a montage of all the things I've called you. You might have actually called me a Nazi at some point or sympathizer or something. (laughs) And I still think this is the worst thing you've ever called me. This is pretty bad. His penmanship. (laughs) And we're going to get to his penmanship and Glocks a little later in the show. Yeah. But since it's such a letdown every week, let's just (laughs) get this out of the way right here at the top of the show. It's time to play the easiest game in podcasting. Did the right lose their shit? So, Judson, would you like to answer before I describe what may or may not have caused the Republicans to lose their shit? Before you describe what it, yeah, I, I think I, I'm pretty safe. They lost their shit. Yes. Okay. Yes. The right lost their shit. It's a stupid game. Because <laughs> it's always yes. It's all, There's no other answer. It's yes or absolutely yes. Well, this week I'm talking, of course, about the Democrats' failure to extend the eviction moratorium. Sorry, thanks for playing, you <laughs> cocky son of a bitch. I don't believe you. Fool you. <laughs> I actually am going to talk about that. We should talk about that, but that's not what this you're one's about. on the good guys, Judson. Yeah, we had the power to do it. We had the time. We dropped the ball. <sighs> we did. Now people will most likely be thrown out of their homes while Congress takes its six-week vacation. Yep, that's that's the thing we didn't do and should have done. AOC was all in their shit. Oh yeah, and and Il- Ilhan Omar as well. All right, Justin, you want to try again? Sure. I feel like that was a little unfair. It's still going to be yes. It's still yes. <laughs> yes, the right lost their shit. Why don't you wait this time? <laughs> Justin, did the right lose their shit over? reinstatement of house of representatives mask mandates yes 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 they did yes they did (laughs) why would you say that i mean surely republicans can see just as well as any of us because because freedom tino (laughs) 
You will not muzzle me. They've got to be able to see that the situation on the ground is changing. Um, and this, this far more contagious Delta variant is surging. I don't, like the U.S. hit new highs for daily infections this week since February. We're, we're about to have to reopen the Worldometer COVID cheering section <laughs> uh, on our private Discord. Yeah, yeah, we are. Because we're going to, I don't know, I didn't actually check. I should have checked. Shoot. How do we do? We, and we're cheering, by the way, we're cheering American stupidity because it is second to none. Because we are the best at being dumb. <laughs> That's right. Well, Judson, I don't believe you. I don't think they possibly could have lost their shit over this. I, th I think you believe me. I think you do. The speaker comes down here at 10 o'clock in the morning saying we got to wear masks into people's house while we've got thousands of people pouring across our border and Democrats don't do a darn thing about it, heavily infected with COVID. And you all put masks, masks up front here, here on the people's house. We got to go around and see, okay, we can't come to the floor. I can't execute my constitutional duty unless I wear a mask. Well, which is it? Vaccines or masks? Do the vaccines work or they don't work? Do the masks work so they don't work? I'd like to know which it is. Or are they just going to go around poking people saying you must take a vaccine? Oh, but sorry, the vaccine doesn't work. You must wear a mask. This institution is a sham and we should adjourn and shut this place down. Your understanding of science is a sham and <laughs> you did adjourn and shut this place down. But that's that that was the previous story. I guess I shouldn't have given him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> It's absurd. Vaccines are not 100% effective. Masks are not 100% effective. But when you add them together, they are more effective together than they are apart. How is this hard? Yeah, I live in a blue state and I'm appalled by the number of people not wearing masks. And you know, so the people that are wearing masks are the ones that have been vaccinated. Yeah, I, I have not stopped wearing a mask when I go indoors in public anywhere. I, I wear it every single place I go. I went to a, I have a local bar I went to pick up to go beer to bring back to the house because I was out. Again? You've told this story before. This is a new one. I went in there just yesterday. You drink a lot of I, beer. I like beer. Me and Kavanaugh, <laughs> we, we're, we, we have one thing in common. You should be on the Supreme Court. It's one thing we have in common. No, two things we have in common. No, you agree about the NCAA decision. No. Well, okay, three things we have in common. Oh, God, they're just stacking up. Wait, have you ever done a devil's triangle? <laughs> it's a drinking game. I know, with quarters. <laughs> no, I, I like beer. I shouldn't be on the Supreme Court, and I do agree about the NCAA. Uh, those are the three things we have in common. But I went to my local bar to get... To get beer. Justin, did you just boof? Have you... I don't know if it's boofed or boofed. How do you pronounce that? Judge. That refers to flatulence. We were 16. Okay. <laughs> as you just said everyone should be able to see that the delta variant is on the rise and covid infections are on the rise in general and hospitalizations are up and we should be taking precautions and how many people were wearing a mask inside the bar with, uh, that i would say had uh 30 people in a not super large space are you asking me i'm asking you yeah how many people yes the republicans lost their shit <laughs> It, it was the answer was zero until I walked in and then it was one. Even the people working there. But you're in a red state. I'm in a uh, purple red state. Yeah. We voted for Obama the first time. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you have two Republican senators. We elected a blue governor. That's true. Well, doesn't we just listened to Chip Roy, Republican representative of Texas. He appeared to be losing his shit. <laughs> he did. He did appear to be losing it. Like I said, he's full of shit. So he is full of shit. It is a dangerous thing when he loses it as well. There's a lot to lose. Yeah. Well, TQP representatives, two of whom are actually former Facts and Friends who has the biggest asshole contestants. Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia. <laughs> World champion. <laughs> Lauren Boebert of Colorado. 
<laughs> and Andy Biggs of Arizona, they gave Chip Roy a standing ovation after his unhinged rant. And of course, none of them were wearing masks. A standing spray of COVID germs. That's what they gave him. Roy also screamed that the mandate was bullshit in a meeting of TQP lawmakers earlier last yeah, week. I'm surprised he didn't throw out that it was a HIPAA violation for them to even <laughs> ask them to wear masks. Well, he also is certainly not the only one to lose his shit over this mildly inconvenient safety measure. I really don't get what they have against masks. Masks. They are acting like children, except I have three kids from four to 12 and they wear masks without complaint. So I guess really they're, they're acting worse than my children. My four-year-old goes to daycare every day, wears a mask all day while she's at school. Doesn't complain about it. I've gotten it. so used to them, honestly. Sometimes I'm in the car and I forget that I have it on. Like I'm in the car by myself. It's, it's fine. It's just a fucking piece of fabric on your face. Right. Grow the fuck up. Lauren Bobert also furiously threw a mask at a lowly staffer who kindly offered it to her when she saw she didn't have one. That staffer was clearly trolling her. I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> She's lucky she didn't get shot. It's true. <laughs> Asked later by CNN if she plans to keep defying the rules and get fined, Bobert said, if we cede our freedoms here, there is no chance for the people that I represent back home. Well, your freedom to what? It's not about freedom. Of course it isn't. It has nothing to do with freedom. It has to do with flouting the rules. The rule of law, or, or, or the rule of the house in this case, is what it is. And, and if you don't like it, then get the votes and change it. That's how this country works works or doesn't as the case may be. Marjorie Taylor Greene was defiant when asked by CNN if she plans to wear a mask. She said, do you see a mask on my face? I think that's the answer to your question. Yeah, well, I really wish I did for so many reasons. <laughs> she actually should wear a muzzle. God, she's just the worst. Republicans also forced multiple procedural delays on the House floor to protest the mandate. Well, Chip Roy like was uh, actually motioning, like forced them to vote on a motion to adjourn. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like yes. Forced them, they failed. They, they weren't going to vote that way, but he fo forced them to take time to vote on a motion to adjourn. Kat Kamek, a congresswoman of Florida, also Republican. She called it an abuse of power by Nancy Pelosi and the, and the Capitol Police. It's only an abuse of power when it's something they don't like. It's simply a use of power. It's something she's doing that she has the power to do and she's therefore enacting it. Hold the fuck on. Let's remind you, I guess, and our TQP friends, that Nancy Pelosi does not control the Capitol Police. Not the Capitol Police, but the but the but the the House, the rule of the House. She's imposing the rule that the the House doctor recommended. Oh, absolutely, she is. I know. I, I I'm just saying that Nancy Pelosi is doing what she should be doing. The doctor actually said because he had a meeting with the TQP, he said he'd resign if anyone in the House tried to influence any of his medical decisions. That seems like a reasonable position. Absolutely. Well. Even the House Republican Freedom Caucus held a press conference pressuring McCarthy <laughs> to bring a resolution to the floor to remove Nancy Pelosi from her chair. Something that also wouldn't actually happen. It'd just be a protest vote. Essentially, exactly. forcing them to slow down the actual work of the House, like, oh, I don't know, uh, extending the moratorium on evictions. And so then they wouldn't get some things done, maybe. McCarthy also described the new mask guidance as a, quote, decision conjured up by liberal government officials who want to continue to live in a perpetual pandemic state. The whole point of this is to get out of it. And you continually drag us back in by not getting vaccinated and not wearing masks and not taking the proper precautions. That's why we're here. We're here because you didn't do all those things in the first place and allowed a variant to pop up. And you up. continue not doing them. And you've and yeah, and now that the variant's popped up and is spreading like wildfire, you continue to resist the very common sense medical practices that have been recommended by experts across the board. Well, Nancy Pelosi had an accurate and eloquent response to McCarthy's quote there. Did she? She did. She said, quote, he's such a moron. No, no, it was very accurate. I just don't know that it was eloquent, <laughs> I guess. That's that's all. I thought it was eloquent. I think I commented on Twitter that to all the people who are complaining about 
her saying that such such a such a disgrace or whatever. And I said, well, you're absolutely right. She should have been more comprehensive in her denouncement of McCarthy's intellect, but she really didn't have time to list all the reasons that he's a moron. <laughs> simply this this one was all she could she could really take the time out of her day to do. Right. I mean, she's 81 years old. The house is only in session for a, for a very brief window here. Well, let's change gears here. In, in sure. a brief follow up to our HIPAA coverage last week. Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene has had a change of heart, Judson. Is wait, I'm sorry, is, are you going to violate HIPAA by telling us what it is? Well, she's decided HIPAA be damned and she released her medical history. Okay, that's not against HIPAA. The flu, strep throat, stomach bugs, colds, meningitis, AIDS, venereal diseases, hep A, hep C, staph infections, athlete's foot, pink eye, croup, bronchitis, ringworm, scabies. <laughs> Okay. All right. To be fair, that was a clip out of context. I think you're telling me a fib there. <laughs> that was a CNN anchor quoting a wacky Marjorie Taylor Greene tweet about the slippery okay. slope of asking people for their COVID vaccine status. That suddenly they'd be asking them for their status on all of those things that, that the woman listed out. If there's a reason to ask for it, then I don't have a problem with you asking for it. Again, that's not a HIPAA violation. No, it's not. That doesn't apply to anyone but those covered entities we talked about last week. I feel like we need that blood pressure machine for you again this week. <sighs> I feel like I feel like you didn't ask me to write a rant, but I'm just like doing one like <laughs> off the cuff every single story. <laughs> oh, wait till we get to the end of this segment. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, Judson, we promised this show would provide our listeners all the Olympic coverage they need. And by golly, just not. You, you think that's not we're right? going to stick to that promise. No, I recovered in the Olympics <laughs> okay. last week. Well, and we're going to cover it again today. OK, what do you got? Bax and Friends proudly presents all the 2021 Olympics coverage anyone needs. <coughs> Newly reported COVID-19 cases in Olympic host city Tokyo surged to a record high of 4,058 last Saturday, exceeding the 4,000 mark Ooh. for the first time ever. Yikes. Nationwide cases also broke the record, and states of emergency have been extended in three of the prefectures near Tokyo, as well as Osaka. I'm sure that's totally unrelated to the Olympics. Right. <laughs> Further, Olympic organizers have had to revoke accreditation for people leaving Athletes Village to sightsee, which is forbidden. Sure. Spread that COVID, baby. I mean, essentially, it should be like the bubble in the NBA. Like you should exactly. be staying inside the village and not going anywhere except to compete. The Japanese government has told its own people not to go to any of the events. <laughs> <laughs> and Japan's deaths per 1,000 rolling average is growing, and it's now actually exceeds that of the U.S. and India, per Ooh. data from Johns Hopkins University. That's not great. Also, pole vaulter Sam Kendricks withdrew from the games after testing positive, bringing the total number of Olympic accreditation holders testing positive to 193. I, I think that's a world record. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and climbing. Anyway, Judson, how'd you enjoy watching and thus supporting the COVID games last uh, last week? <laughs> I, again, I, I, I hang my head in shame. shame. Okay. But, it's but been, you keep doing it. it it's, I, I do keep doing it. Yeah. Well, as if having the games amidst a spiking global pandemic weren't reason enough to hate the Olympics, unless you're Judson, here's a fun story about a totally not sexist dress code. You want to you wanna take this one, Judson? Oh, sure, sure. This is uh, the, the handball team, the European uh, Handball Federation. Yes, that's actually a thing. Uh, has fined the Norwegian women's beach handball team. Yes, that's also actually a thing. For a serious... Dress code violation. The team refused to wear bikini bottoms, <gasps> instead opting for less revealing shorts as worn by their male beach handball. Yes, that's also actually a thing. Counterparts. <laughs> what the f 
fuck is Beach Handball? Uh, you have to watch it, I, but you can't. So I, I, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I have to rely on. Can you watch some and tell me? I'll, I'll look into it. Thank you. According to International Handball Federation regulations. Yes, that's that. Never mind. <laughs> According to International Handball Federation regulations, female players are required to wear bikini bottoms with a side width of a maximum of 10 centimeters. That's 3.9 inches for the Americans with a quote, close fit and quote, cut on an upward angle toward the top of the leg. My blood is boiling that that's a rule. Yeah. You know, men wrote that rule, right? Of course they did. Okay. Of course they did. And what the shorts they're basically wearing, I saw the team afterward when the story broke in the news. Were you upset they weren't wearing bikinis? No, they're basically wearing what the indoor volleyball players wear. It's basically just volleyball shorts. Like you're wearing hand, handball, volley, it, it, they're just the same. It just, why should we force anyone to wear anything? Like what is the, unless there's some sort of like competitive advantage to wearing a specific outfit, wear the whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Go out there in like a parka. I, I mean, it's, that's fine with me. Well, there actually is a hero in this story, Judson. There is, yes. And that is famous musician and overall badass, Pink. Yep. She tweeted her support for the Norwegian team, offered to pay their fines, and suggested that the European Handball Federation... Is that a thing? That's that's actually a thing. Okay. Should perhaps be the ones fined for blatant sexism. Agreed. Co-sign. I agree with her 100%. I, however, am wearing bikini bottoms right now. Information I did not need to know. Okay. All right, Judson, enough of this pussyfooting around. <laughs> is that what we were doing? <laughs> It's time to spin the... Nazis! (laughs) Okay. Okay. Give the wheel a good spin, Judson. You ready? I'm ready. Go. Ooh, you're strong. Ooh, look at it go. It's the blur of Nazis. <laughs> Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Madison Cawthorn? Like, I mean, okay, I guess. It's a good start. We should, we'll start with Madison Cawthorn. Okay. It's accurate. He's definitely a Nazi. He yeah. belongs in that wheel. The wheel says I have to play this drop first. Okay. Don't ask why I think the wheel is talking to me. None of my business. Who you listen to? Facts and Friends presents the Responsible Gun Owner of the Week. Whoa, that is a that is a blast from the past. <laughs> and we also, I guess, need to listen to this. Okay. 414. Go ahead. Can you respond to the checkpoint reference, say, eh? what is firearm? Communications 414, just be advised. It's going to be an elected official medicine cockpit firearm. I couldn't read, copy anything you said. An elected official medicine cockpit. <gasps> an elected official? Yes. That's right. Madison Cawthorn was trying to take a motherfucking Glock onto a motherfucking plane. I cannot believe that that airline and those TSA agents would impinge on Madison Cawthorn's freedoms to carry a firearm it wherever was loaded the fuck he too. wants. Of course it was. Upon noticing how white Cawthorn was, however, the police politely escorted him to his car to, quote, secure the firearm. Yes, leaving it in a... So locking a gun, a loaded gun in a car is secure? Airport parking lot is... Definitely the best place to keep a loaded weapon. That's that's great. Yeah. I couldn't find video of his interaction with police, but I bet he wasn't wearing a mask as he tried to bring a loaded firearm onto a plane. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Because safety. Yeah. All right. I am just so sick of covering that handsome little wheelchair Nazi. <laughs> Judson, <laughs> give the wheel another spin, please. Okay, here we go. 
No Nazis. Oh, wait. They're all, they're all Nazis. It's, it's all Nazis. No Nazi, no Nazi, no Nazi. And it's a Nazi. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Okay, here we got. Oh, shit. It's Madison Cawthorn again. <laughs> what? Come on. There are plenty of Nazis in the TQP. This is wheel of Nazis, not wheelchair of Nazis. <laughs> oh, low blow. <laughs> It was a 50-50 shot that I cut that. It's the only kind that you can get on him. So, All right. Well, the wheel wants what the wheel wants. <laughs> hey, what did the alleged sexual assault perpetrator and liar about his car accident do this time, Mighty Wheel? What did what, the wheel say? Oh, my. I guess he got an ethics complaint filed against him by a fellow Republican congressman staffer. It Was it a woman? Yes. Okay. And let me be the first to inform that staffer, Judson, that she can't complain about things that don't exist. Ethics. Ethics. Yeah, ethics. Madison Cawthorn's ethics. Got it. Right. Got it. Well, here's what happened. Uh-huh. Apparently, Cawthorn's name was attached to a bill mistakenly, and he wanted it removed. So he himself went to the office of David McKinley, a Republican of West Virginia, to ask him to remove it. Did you put it all down in the jar? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, ah, I think we all heard it, Tino. I went to, I went to the George Washington School of <laughs> Speech and Language Pathology. I can mispronounce a word here or there. So, Judson, when he found out that McKinley was not in his office, do you think Madison Cawthorn lost his shit? I do. I do okay. think that's the case. I'm mixing games. Although, uh, ironically, at the same time, Madison Cawthorn was not in his office. Oh, while he himself was not in his office. I see. I see what you did there. Well, you're right. He did get mad. He started shouting it out with one of McKinley's aides and multiple witnesses described it as him raising his voice at the female staffer and dressing her down, which I should say is at least a little better than what he allegedly did to women before the accident. Yes. Yes. I believe. I don't, I don't want to repeat it. I don't want to repeat it. I don't either. (laughs) He told McKinley's aide to lower her voice because she was quote, speaking to a member of Congress. At one point, he also condescendingly asked her if her boss was, quote, that guy with the mustache that nobody fucking knows. (laughs) (laughs) The altercation later spilled out onto the House floor when Cawthorn went up to McKinley and asked, what is your name? (laughs) So... Honestly, he's not bright. He may have forgotten. It's, it's entirely possible. Right. Well, that pissed off McKinley, and he responded, you know damn well who I am. And then McKinley criticized Cawthorn for attacking his staff. It escalated into a shouting match, and McKinley, in, which, in which McKinley repeatedly called Cawthorn Jr. for some reason. I think that's fair. Is that an insult, though? He's like, yeah, he's calling him young. All right. Well, Cawthorn then attacked McKinley for supporting the bipartisan commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection. Yeah, yeah. Let's attack him for being a rational, responsible right. adult. He also threatened to remind McKinley's constituents of that very vote come next election cycle. So he's threatening him politically. <sighs> Witnesses actually said that they were worried that the altercation was going to turn into a fist fight. I mean, they were worried it would be a bloodbath, I think, is really What would concern. that even look like? A fist fight with Madison Cawthorn? I mean, you've seen the tree. He beat the shit out of that tree. (laughs) So as long as McKinley stood very still for 20 to 30 years... Madison Cawthorn would take him down. Well, it didn't, sadly, escalate into a fist fight. Yeah, that would have been better. When they eat their own, it's the best. And then, Judson, the cherry on top was the apology. Do you want to walk us through that? The apology. This is where the penmanship comes in. The apology was a handwritten note on Madison Cawthorn's personal stationery as a a member of Congress. And it says... You got to mispronounce some of these words, too, please. (laughs) 
Okay. It's Madison Cawthorn. It says, Mr. McKinley, I wish no unpleasantries between us. I took myself off the 340B bill this morning. I hope you have a good career and <laughs> hope you have a good career and that we can both play our part in staving off. Staving off? What do you think he would have said? Starving. Star- <laughs> it's starving off. <laughs> this socialist. So- socialist? That's what it says. Socialist takeover. Socialist. Good day, Junior. No, and it, no. Good day, Junior. Junior. He's signing it himself as Junior. Oh, I see. Junior is not capital. That's not the way you would do that, though. He's like, that's like how you would speak to someone. Well, it's Madison fucking Cawthorn. And can you see it? It's got a period at the end. It does have a period. And then he said, in parentheses, pointing at the Junior, a joke written in good taste. Now describe the handwriting to us all. Third grade. That's how how I would describe it. Third grade. You'd go as far as third. Print. I, I would. I would say third grade. Okay. Not cursive. Clearly, this is just just standard print. It looks to me. I. I. That's why I, I would not have been surprised to learn that this was written by an elementary school student. I wish he'd signed it because his signature is actually worse than this handwriting. And this handwriting, as <laughs> we've covered before, <laughs> yeah, we have. Go to our Facebook page. At some point, we we posted his signature. So, based on his signature, this is no surprise. Is he like a nineteenth century? <laughs> plantation owner. I wish no unpleasantries between us. He would like to have been a 19th century plantation owner. Yes. <laughs> Finally, Judson, I need you to help me understand this tweet from the third most powerful Republican in the house, Elise Stefanik. <laughs> I know this tweet. <laughs> and you might rant a little bit. <laughs> Warning. If you could read the tweet and then respond to it. For, or you want me to read it so then you respond to it? Please do. Please read this to me. Okay. This is from Elise Stefani. Today's anniversary of Medicare and Medicaid reminds us to reflect on the critical role these programs have played to protect the health care of millions of families. To safeguard our future, we must reject socialist health care schemes. End tweet. So the third most powerful Republican in the House. Yes. Wants us to reject socialist healthcare schemes mm-hmm. in order to protect socialist healthcare <laughs> schemes like Medicare and Medicaid. The best and brightest, baby. This is government-run healthcare, right. socialist medicine. It is. It's designed that way. It was instituted at the same time as like things like Social Security, which has social in the name. And you think that somehow these things are different than all the other socialist <laughs> healthcare schemes, like, I don't know, a public option, single-payer healthcare, all the things that every other fucking country in the world has. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Elise Stefanik probably didn't write that. I don't think she's that stupid. I don't think she thinks that. I think she thinks her voters are that stupid, that they will make the connection. I think someone on her staff who is an idiot wrote that, but it is no doubt moronic. And I don't think it's been deleted. Uh, it probably hasn't been. Okay. Well, because they, they don't need to, that no one's going to hold them to account. Their voters will not hold them to account for no, no. blatant hypocrisy and idiocy. Right. I mean, look at Louis Gohmert. He's still in office. <laughs> All right, Judson. Well, that was a jam-packed top of the show. <laughs> it sure was. Holy shit. Let's take a quick break and move on to our main topic, the January 6th Select Committee. Excellent. We'll be right back. It's time for Wesley Snipes' take. This week, Wesley gives his take on Prophet Nathan French. truth is, he, he, he won the presidency, he won the election, uh, it, they tried to steal it, and, and it, it didn't work because now everyone knows, the majority of the people who have done their research, done their own work, and who especially who are hearing God, they know 
that President Trump's actually still considered in the realm of the spirit, the president of the United States of America. And what God puts in, no man by the flesh can remove what's born of the spirit. How the fuck are you out of your damn mind? For all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. It's to find the truth and it's to ensure accountability. Like most Americans, I'm frustrated that six months after a deadly insurrection breached the United States Capitol for several hours on live television, we still don't know exactly what happened. Why? Because many in my party have treated this as just another partisan fight. It's toxic and it's a disservice to the officers and their families, to the staff and the employees on the Capitol complex, to the American people who deserve the truth, and to those generations before us who went to war to defend self-governance, because self-governance is at stake. That was military veteran and disgraced Republican Adam Kinzinger at the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection. That kicked off last week with a gripping day of testimony from four Capitol Police officers. Today, we wanted to talk through not only the hearing itself, but some of the downright offensive, insulting, but altogether predictable reactions to that hearing by the TQP. Right. And then to close things out, I thought we might talk a little bit about what we can expect from the future from this select committee. Okay. All right. So let's start by listening to some of the powerful accounts of that day by the actual officers that experienced it. Here's Michael Fanone. I recognize the fact that uh, there were individuals that were trying to grab a hold of my gun. I remember one of them distinctly lunging at me time and time again trying to grab my gun. And I heard people in the crowd yelling, get his gun, uh, kill him with his own gun. I no longer posed any type of threat, uh, nor was I uh, an impediment to them, um, you know, going inside of the building. Uh, but yet they tortured me. They beat me. Uh, I was struck with a taser device at the base of my skull numerous times. And they continued to do so uh, until I yelled out that I have kids. I guess that cinches it. Andrew Clyde was right. It does just sound like a normal tourist visit. That is exactly how I uh, tour every uh, public building that I go into. I bring my taser, I seek out the security guards, and then I beat the crap out of them, right? That's that's what you do. Police officers. Yeah, well, whatever security is on hand, you know. I'm not picky. Just want to get my money's worth out of the tour. There were accounts of them trying to gouge out the officer's eyes. One of them was, I thought, injured. One lost an eye, I thought, in the original the original tale of uh, casualties and injuries, I thought, included someone who had lost an eye. It's quite possible they didn't testify. Now here is Harry Dunn describing the peaceful scene just before the Capitol was breached. I was stunned by what I saw. And what seemed like a sea of people, Capitol police officers, and Metropolitan Police Officers, MPD, were engaged in desperate hand-to-hand -hand fighting with rioters across the West Lawn. Until then, I had never seen anyone physically assault Capitol Police or MPD, let alone witness mass assaults being perpetrated on law enforcement officers. I witnessed the rioters using all kinds of weapons against officers, including flagpoles, metal bike racks that they had torn apart, and various kind of projectiles. Officers were being bloodied in the fighting. Many were screaming, and many were blinded and coughing 
from chemical irritants being sprayed in their faces. In other words, a normal tourist visit. It's <laughs> funny. Blue lives matter, Judson. Not to, not that day, not to them, not to that group. It only matters when it's convenient for them. Just like any lives, all lives don't matter to them unless they can use them for their own ends. No lives matter to them, quite honestly. Yeah, it's conditional for them. All that matters to them is their political talking points. Yeah, what they can get out of it. That's what matters. So then Dunn was alerted per his testimony over police radio that the Capitol had actually been breached and he bravely moved inside to protect our seat of democracy. More and more insurrectionists were pouring into the area by the speaker's lobby near the rotunda, and some wearing MAGA hats and shirts that said Trump 2020. I told them to just leave the Capitol, and in response they yelled, no man, this is our house. President Trump invited us here. We're here to stop the steal. Joe Biden is not the president. Nobody voted for Joe Biden. I'm a law enforcement officer, and I do my best to keep politics out of my job. But in this circumstance, I responded, well, I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? Am I nobody? Now, before we play Officer Dunn's description of how they responded to his question, I have to warn the listeners that the attackers use language we don't condone and normally wouldn't air. But in this case, we feel it's important not to bleep the N-word. So you can appreciate what Dunn and other black officers really experienced that day. I, I know I spoke for you, Judson. Is No, no, I totally agree. Okay. That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This nigger voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, fucking nigger. No one had ever, ever called me a nigger while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a nigger to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Yet another black officer later told me he had been confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him, put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of nigger you really are. That sure sounds like Black Lives Matter to me, huh? I heard they were wearing, was it MAGA shirts and, yeah, and gear? Cl clearly Antifa, right? Right. Must have been them. All in all, and, and that, that was difficult to hear, so let's take a moment to appreciate that. But all in all, it was a difficult several hours of testimony and video footage of the insurrection. And the officers rightly described those that breached the Capitol and attacked the police as terrorists. Absolutely. They described months and what will likely be a lifetime of suffering as a result of mental and physical damage done to them that day. Well, the right who always have the police's back, sometimes they have the police's back with the blunt end of a fire extinguisher, flagpole, some bike rack, <laughs> pointy end of a spear, you know, but they always have their back. The response from the right that wasn't only the predictable, it wasn't just centered around distraction and lies. There were direct attacks on the actual police officers that testified. Yeah. Listen to Laura Ingram mock Officer Fanon on her show last week. And for best performance in an action role, the winner is... Michael Fanon. 
all over Fox News, there were attempts to either attack the officers or distract from the actual eyewitness testimony that they were recounting. From Greg Gutfeld mocking committee members for becoming emotional as they thanked officers for literally saving their lives and perhaps democracy, to Tucker Carlson glibly smirking in response to video footage of Fanon recounting his PTSD. To be fair, he can't smirk in any of their fashion. I mean, it's, it's only glib. He's got one setting. It's glib. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's the one. Well, and, and Tucker also just went on to insist that the insurrection was just a political protest gone wrong. Yeah, very, very fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> then there was the voicemail that was left for Officer Fanon. Yeah, this is from Michael Fanon, Metropolitan Police Officer. You're on trial right now. Lying and that. You want an Emmy, an Oscar? What are you trying to go for here? You're so full of shit, you little faggot fucker. You're a little pussy, man. I can slap you up the side of your head with a backhand and knock you out, you little faggot. You're a punk faggot. You're a lying fuck. How about all that scummy black fucking scum for two years destroying our cities and burning them and stealing all that shit out of the stores and everything? How about that, assaulting cops and killing people? How about that, you fucker? That was shit on the goddamn Capitol. I wish they would have killed all you scumbags because you, you people are scum. They stole the election from Trump and you know that, you scumbag. And you fucking, too bad they didn't beat the shit out of you more. You're a piece of shit. You're a little fag, you fucking scumbag. Someone really needs to get in touch with his anger issues, as well as um, probably some latent homoerotic urges, <laughs> I think. We've got racism in there. We've got homophobia. We've got yeah. completely contradicting himself by <laughs> yeah. saying that those horrible blacks attacked police and then wishing that the police had gotten the shit beat out of them more at the Capitol. But one thing I found really interesting, Judson, was the language he used about acting awards. Because that came straight from Laura Ingram. It did. It sounded so familiar. Like maybe he heard it on someone's show. Maybe? Yeah, like someone almost was like inciting people to attack <laughs> private citizens. But the truth is, Judson, that the right are shaking in their boots over this investigation. They're terrified that their roles in this insurrection are going to come to light. I mean, by any objective third party's standard, that was not a great day for the TQP and the January 6th insurrection terrorists. Those officers were eloquent and forthright and their testimony was powerful and it it just showed how absolutely deluded and without tether to reality, the Republican talking points about it have been. You want to hear fear? Listen to Jim Jordan trying to answer a simple fucking question. Did you talk to the former president that day? I've talked to the former president umpteen times, thousands, I mean, I mean, not thousands, I mean, on times, January countless, 6th. countless times. I talked to the president. I never talk about what we talk about because I just don't think that's appropriate. Just like I don't talk about what happens in Republican conferences. So sure. I've talked to the president numerous times. Uh, I continue to talk to the president no, no, since no, I he's mean left on office. January 6th, Congressman. Yes, I, I mean, I've talked to the president. I've talked to the president so many. I can't remember all the days I've talked to him, but I've certainly talked to the president. Yeah. <laughs> now, Judson, in Jim's defense, he hadn't had his meds that day. Okay, sure. Let's give him another try. Let's give him another try. What kind of meds does he have? I feel like he's on Ambien at least daily for uh, <laughs> to control whatever it is that uh, Roseanne had. But go ahead. Yeah, give another shot. All right. Second chance. There's some confusion over what you told Brett Baer on Fox News on Tuesday night. So I want to clear it up. First off, Yes or no, did you speak with President Trump on January 6th? Yeah, I mean, I speak. I, I spoke with the president last week. I speak with the president <laughs> all the time. I spoke with him on January 6th. <laughs> I mean, I talk with President Trump all the time. And that's that's. I don't think that's unusual. Uh, I would expect members of Congress 
to talk with the president of the United States when they're trying to get done the things they told the voters in their district to do. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of amazed sometimes that people keep asking this, but of course I talk to the president all the time. I talked to him, like I said, I talked to him last week. <laughs> that registered change. On January 6th, <laughs> did you speak with him before, during, or after the Capitol was attacked? Uh, I'd have to go. I, 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 I spoke with him that day <laughs> after, I think after. I don't know if I spoke with him in the morning or not. I, I just don't know. Uh, I'd have to go back and. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know uh, th that when when those conversations happen. But um, but I, what I know is I spoke with him all the time. You, you can hear him like real time trying to figure out which answer is the least bad for me. Like, <laughs> uh, well, I have to think um, uh, after. I think after. Yeah, it was after. Definitely after. Yeah, yeah. I don't know before. Maybe not in the morning. I'm not sure. At least the second time he did manage to answer the question somewhere in that muddled mess of nervous word vomit. I have an audio response actually. Go for it. For you for this. It's uh, Michael Steele. I can tell you the time, the place, the date of every conversation I've had with every president of this country, period. Going back to Bill Clinton, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you what was said. This son of a bitch is sitting up there acting like, well, I, I don't know if it was before. I don't know if it was after. Oh, Lord, and Jesus, I don't remember. I got to look at my notes. You know, bitch, what time you called the president and you know what you said. Yes, you're a grown ass exactly. man. Stop acting exactly. like you just you, you 10 years old and you got caught masturbating by your mama. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> so that's Michael Steele. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, clearly not having any of Jim Jordan's shit. That was Michael Steele, former chair of the Republican National Committee. <laughs> not having any of Jim Jordan's shit. <laughs> Throwing some shade. <laughs> Well, Justin, you can also tell they're nervous because of the bizarro counter-narrative they're pushing around the January 6th attacks. A New York Times article described their counter-narrative like this. The arrested Capitol writers are political prisoners, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi is to blame for the attack. In a nutshell. <laughs> right. That, that's yeah. their counter-narrative. Nancy Pelosi is to blame for the attack that was just a tourist visit where it was just a regular protest and everything's fine, but Nancy Pelosi is at fault. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's listen to the third most powerful House Republican once again, a woman who doesn't understand what socialist programs are, a traitor to everything she ever believed in, Elise Stefanik, attempt to pin the insurrection on Nancy Pelosi. The reason why Nancy Pelosi is refusing to seat accomplished and well-respected hardworking Republicans like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks is because she doesn't want the American people to know the truth or learn the facts. She doesn't want a fair or bipartisan investigation. She wants a political one. It is a fact that, on, that in December of 2020, Nancy Pelosi was made aware of potential security threats to the Capitol, and she failed to act. It is a fact that the U.S. Capitol Police raised concerns, and rather than providing them with the support and resources they needed and they deserved, she prioritized her partisan political optics over their safety. The American people deserve to know the truth that Nancy Pelosi bears responsibility as Speaker of the House for the tragedy that occurred on January 6th. Elise, do I already have to remind you that Nancy Pelosi doesn't control the Capitol Police? We went over that like 
30 minutes ago. Such bullshit. Yeah, it is. When one side has abandoned the use of reason and and all, again, com- come completely untethered to reality, every f- actual fact-finding commission must necessarily be political and partisan because you can't engage with those who will not use logic and reason. They, 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 there's just no common ground to nope. find. Well, her hometown paper's editorial board wrote an op-ed piece condemning her for the despicable attempt to completely distort and distract from the truth. But sadly, Judson, the TQP's bullshit mission is catching on. Of course. In a July poll by CBS News, a majority of Trump voters said they would describe the attack as an example of patriotism or defending freedom. I don't know if that's catching on. I just think they have a very skewed idea of what patriotism is in the first place. Well, it's a majority of Trump voters. Think right, that. Trump voters, the people who already, like I said, have a very skewed vision of what those words even mean. I like to point out to them whenever I can that they are not patriots. No, they're not. They're they're what they're the opposite. You're the opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. They're authoritarian wannabes. And they completely misunderstand the Constitution and, and the founding principles of this country. I mean, we don't have time to list all the things they misunderstand. It's just it's this it's, it's it can barely it's can only be an hour show, Tino. Come on. Fair. Fair. So what's next? Well, the committee met after Tuesday's hearing to discuss next steps, which will very likely involve some unwanted subpoenas. Oh, I like the sound of that. Unwanted by some people. Um, <laughs> I want them. <laughs> I'm looking forward to them, yes. <laughs> but news broke last week that the Department of Justice will allow former Trump officials to testify before the committee. It's even possible that they could call Trump. Ooh, I'm getting a boner. <laughs> just I, I, slow your roll just a little bit. I'm not sure that's a great idea. All he'll do is just spew his lies about the election being stolen. If, if he if he were to even testify. Well, Justin, that's only if they don't get him before August 13th. I mean, they can't <laughs> subpoena a sitting president. I mean, I guess we'd have to have the DOJ rule on that again. <laughs> He'd fire the, everyone in the DOJ. We'll come back to this on August 14th, I guess. We'll circle back to this. I can't wait. Yeah. Actually, I guess if Trump were to testify, there's a better than 90% chance that he'll perjure himself. That's so true. Maybe it's worth it, I guess. I don't know. Totally worth it. <laughs> It's way better than 90% too. (laughs) Oh yeah, far, upper 90s for sure. I want to see them call all of them. Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, who came out wore body armor to the purely peaceful protest on what? January 6th. Why do you wear body armor to a peaceful protest? I mean, just, I don't know. It's just, he likes body armor. Abundance <laughs> of caution. <laughs> it's a fashion statement. I want to call Lauren Boebert, who oh, may yeah. have been giving aid to the insurrectionists live on Twitter. Yep. Call them all. Not to mention the tours that she may or may not have given. <laughs> right, exactly. She the day did, before. They basically cased the joint. Right. I mean, yeah. Finally, Judson, let's sum up with an excellent question posed to Republicans by Officer Harry Dunn. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are being lauded as courageous heroes. And while I agree with that notion, why? Because they told the truth? Why is telling the truth hard? I guess in this America, it is. We'll be right back. You've rafted the Colorado. You've climbed the Statue of Liberty, but now you're looking for a different kind of adventure. It's time for the Capital Tour. When you travel with the Capital Touring Company, you travel with the best. So welcome aboard, Patriot. Today is the day American Patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Your day begins as you step onto our spacious assault bus. You'll receive a pocket copy of the Constitution covered in bullet-stopping Kevlar and a travel my pillow. Enjoy your complimentary 8-ounce can of bear spray. 
While we travel, slake your thirst for freedom with an endless supply of monster energy drinks. For your entertainment, we'll treat all on board to a free screening of Birth of a Nation as we travel to Washington, D.C., proud home of the Redskins. Once we arrive at our nation's capital, you'll be able to gear up you and the family at our fully stocked outfitter van. Treat you and the little missus to a red, white, and blue truncheon. And don't forget to grab one of our commemorative flagpole spears. Now it's time to peacefully storm the halls of power. Our experienced guides will show you the way. You'll climb, you'll breach locked doors. Want even more adventure? Lovingly gouge out a Capitol Police officer's eyeball. Respectfully bash him over the head with a fire extinguisher. Smear you or your loved one's feces on a statue or painting of your choosing. Our guides will be right by your side as you take back what's rightfully yours. The Democrats already stole the election. Don't let them steal your God-given right to a totally normal, peaceful tour slash insurrection. We're the Capitol Touring Company. We make America great, one coup at a time. Where we tour one, we tour all. Well, before we get to this week's closed topic, Judson, I wanted to remind everyone that the Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, and produced by Judson and Tino, with contributions from the visionary genius behind the upcoming blockbuster Battlefield Ghostbuster Tokyo Drift with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> He's a visionary genius. I don't know how we should turn that into a sketch or something. It's so good. It was so we good. We started writing this movie this week uh, offline. <laughs> It was a mixture of Battlefield Earth, Ghostbusters, Fast Ghost. Furious, Tokyo Drift, Ghost. <laughs> and I threw in the Frighteners at the end. And the Frighteners. <laughs> also, the Facts and Friends theme was composed just for us by Omar. We say it every week, but we really can't say it enough. We appreciate all of you listeners so very much. And we just ask that you say goodbye to a tiny bit of your time and a decent percentage of friends and family that still speak to you <laughs> by telling those same friends and family about our little podcast and maybe suggesting that they subscribe and listen. Hell, why not make sure you cut ties with them completely by sending them a link to your favorite episode? <laughs> I mean, it cuts down the Christmas cards, the gifts you have to buy. Oh, God, it's what a saving. By Grapthar's <laughs> hammer. What a savings. What a savings. <laughs> But if, like most people, you don't have a favorite episode, just pick one at random. Use this one. What the hell? Yeah, why not? We also love hearing from you. So drop us a comment or DM on the Facts and Friends Facebook page with feedback, criticism, etc. I forgot to write a joke there. <laughs> Which is in itself sort of a joke, I guess. It's a little bit. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Facts and Friends. Facts, the letter N, friends. Individually, you can reach me on Twitter at Uncle Tortilla. And Judson, please tell the good people how they can connect with you. Well, they can reach me on Twitter uh, at The Fault and my arse. And they can reach me. Oh, wait, there's more? Yeah, uh, there's, a new, there's a new social media site coming up. Oh. You can reach me um, on God Tribe. At I love straight dudes. Straight has the letter A uh, has the number eight in it. Straight has the number eight. That reminds me, Judson. I thought we would waste the short amount of time we have here in the close <laughs> to follow up on the one that got away Which? from a well-deserved COVID death. Uh, <laughs> it's Rick Wiles. Rick Wiles. That's, that's God Tribe. Yeah. <laughs> and it also brings us back for the second week in a row to Judson Super Straight Corner. I love straight dudes. I, that's, you know. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs>
If you recall, we covered the hate monger and downplayer of COVID a couple times earlier this season as he mocked people who died from coronavirus only to come down with a fairly serious case of it himself. Yep. Tragically, he pulled through. And <laughs> only the good ones die young, Tina. <laughs> and because of that, we'll soon have a brand new social media platform specifically for racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic white men. Judson's already picked out his name for this new social media platform, God Tribe. I mean, I, I quit Facebook, so I needed a new outlet for uh, all of the things. It's it's really funny he's described it as like a essentially a safe space for straight white guys because they needed a place, a safe place where they wouldn't, where they could congregate and feel, you know, safe from being, quote, feminized, criticized, or called racist, end quote. But on God Tribe, White cis men will finally get the affirmation they've so long been denied. Oh, you must be so happy. <laughs> Quote, where do young men turn to be affirmed in their identity as a male, a straight male living for Christ in a pagan world? <laughs> where do they go right now? Asked Wiles. Uh, Grinder. <laughs> Only dudes on Grinder. I think. Tina, can you confirm? I've never been on Grinder. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wiles says this site is going to be the antidote to the forces of the Antichrist who have, quote, worked quietly for decades to infiltrate every aspect of American society and to rot it, he said. Just absolutely rot it. This is the antidote. Wiles shared a mock-up for the site, which includes a random feature called campfires, since, campfires. as he explains, straight white Christian men just love campfires. Quote, what do men like to do when they go camping? Well, let me take that one, Judson. Okay, sure. Rick, I can tell you, I've seen a number of videos on Pornhub Gay that answer just that question. <laughs> and I'd be happy to share my premium account information with you should you like to be enlightened. <laughs> well, look for Judson. I mean, I love straight dudes. When the platform launches, straight's got an eight in it. Don't forget. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> You guys can get, sit around that campfire, exchange grinder information. The site's apparently going to launch sometime in late summer or early fall. I said, yes, yeah, it was like September-ish, October-ish. So basically the same time Trump gets back into office, that's when God Tribe will be live. Trump's going to be back in office in less than two weeks. Well, I mean, that's what the current date is. But you know that's going to get pushed back, right? I mean... <laughs> September-ish, October-ish, you know. I think 2025 is the earliest possible date. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Pat on the back to both of us for having our shit together two weeks in a row, man. I mean, I don't want to, I don't really want to start a trend, though. I don't want I, people to get like, you know, editing. And we, we, <laughs> that's true. It could take us a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do look forward to doing it again, possibly as soon as next week. Take care, everyone. Yeah, be safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Yep. Stealing my yep. That was military veteran and disgraced Republican Adam Kinzinger at the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol erect erection. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that. <laughs>